welcome to Data Science Perspectives. This series focuses on analytics and data science professionals from across industry to learn about how their career unfolded, what skills they look for when hiring, and what trends they think are coming next. I'm your host, Bill Franks. Let's get to it. Welcome to this episode of Data Science Perspectives. I'm your host, Bill Franks. Today, we're going to be joined by Christine Joy, the Vice President of Business Analytics at Comcast. As has been a theme in my first two seasons, Christine's a local here in Atlanta. And over the past few years, she's seen her team grow to over 80 members. Her and her team support organizations throughout Comcast, from sales and marketing, to tech ops, to customer experience, to finance. And over the decade that she's been there, she's in uh, routinely increased her title and responsibilities. She originally graduated from the University of Florida with a degree in advertising. She spent a couple of years working uh, early in her career in that space before switching over to analytics exclusively. And so with that, let's welcome Christine to the show. Hey, Christine, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. What's always great, I, uh, you may or may not know, but I've really been focusing in the first two seasons on Atlanta-based uh, folks, given that KSU's here in Atlanta. And so you're yet another uh, member of the Atlanta Posse that we're bringing on to talk about analytics and data science. Yeah, happy to be here. So I guess, you know, one thing I always like to, to learn because everyone has their own story. Uh, what initially drew you into this entire world of, of analytics and data science? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I really didn't think I would end up in this field. I started um, always thinking I'd be in design. So something around maybe interior design or fashion. You know, I did a lot of art growing up. I played the piano, uh, but math was always something I really excelled in. And when I went to college, I thought architecture might be a good path. Maybe that kind of combines math and design. Um, but after about two years, I, I was like, this is probably not the right path for me. I don't think this is where my passion lied. Um, and I really wanted to get more into the business. So I ended up switching into architecture, uh, out of architecture and into advertising, which I thought would still have a little bit of those creative elements, um, be able to have some design work, but uh, a little more of a business focus. Through that, I ended up my first uh, role at an architecture agency was a media buyer planner. And through that, you do a lot of analytics around return on investment, um, you know, different test and learn opportunities as you're trying different creatives or approaches. And, and it was the analytics through that that I loved. And that was my, my real segue into, um, you know, wanting to have an analytics focused career. And then it was just my move. I wanted to be in Atlanta uh, that brought me up here and brought me to Comcast. You know, it's funny what you, you, you mentioned in your background, something that is so consistent of a theme, which is people think of analytics being such a, a technical, mathematical, non-creative endeavor, but the number of people who have made a career of it, who you find out are a musician or an artist or some other, you know, creative outlet, it's incredibly high because there really is, uh, I think it's not given the credit it's due the creativity and analytics. And that's something I've, uh, you know, I've written and talked about a lot. So it's, it's funny to hear you as yet another example of someone who has those traits that people don't match with the field, but that actually do match uh, with the field. 
Yeah, and we ask a lot about, you know, what hobbies do you have? We say creativity is such an important part of what we're looking for when we're hiring. So I completely agree. I think it's great in some way to have a, a creative outlet if you are in an analytics-based role. It's when I when I was young, my uh, my creative outlet. I did do do band up until a certain point, but I used to uh, program video games. That was my fun because it's you know while there's the logic in the in the coding, obviously there was a lot of creativity. I had to design all the characters, you know, uh, pixel by pixel. Back then, it was you know very low very low res, but uh, uh, that's what I always found was uh, was a lot of fun, but. Um, you know, when you think about Comcast, you know, obviously massive uh, company and tons of analytic needs. So uh, what are some of the various aspects of the business that you and your team have to support? Yeah, no, that's a great question, because what I love about our team uh, in the central division here at Comcast is we get to support all the functions of the business. So we are one collective analytics group. Um, that supports everyone instead of having separate analytics groups within each function. So it allows for a lot of collaboration within our team, um, a lot of cross-sharing of information, but uh, a couple examples would be um, on the marketing side. If you think when we launch a new sale offer, you know, and we wanna know what, what incremental sales are we getting from that? Or how is competitive pressure impacting our business? Um, Maybe things like what's the, the best location to invest capital as we're building out our network or um, another good one may be, you know, we're often just parsing raw text responses uh, from customer survey data to continue to find ways to innovate customer service. So it, it can be just a very wide range of pretty much anything, any function of the business needs comes to our group, which is pretty cool. What's interesting to me, that, and this is something that, that, that'll sound obvious if people haven't thought about it once you hear it, but you don't think about it. I, I know that a lot of people might think about analytics at a company like Comcast being focused on a lot of the classic stuff, you know, the, the marketing, the finance. But when it comes to delivering cable service and Internet service to millions of customers, there's a lot of operational stuff, right? I mean, not uh, in terms of the data flow through the network and the capacity and, you know, what what nodes are down and up and so forth. Is that a, a big component of what you all end up focusing on as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, outside of looking into to nodes and um, where we're having outages and where we might want to invest time and in, uh, improvements, you know, we're also just looking at, you know, what's the best way to get the service to the customer? So um, who really needs a, a professional technician to come to their house? Maybe their order is very complex or we've never had service there. Um, who's best served by receiving, you know, their product in the mail and using our app to walk them through that process? Um, do we have enough stores and locations for customers to pick up? You know, I talked about where do we invest on building out the network? So there are so many components, uh, you know, around that and even tying back to some of the competitive. Where do we need to think about investing uh, in our network to be able to increase our speeds to stay, you know, above competitors? So, um so many different angles, you know, that that can can spread again across all the functions of the business have to work together to really make that delivery um, and growth for Comcast work. So just a, another great tie back to kind of why we have one analytics team to really help those functions bring everything together and and make the right decisions. 
You know, what's great is, that, you know, some of those operationalized analytics, like when you talk about, you know, which technician goes where, what I love about analytics like that is that they're highly impactful, yet almost completely invisible to the stakeholders, right? The technician just knows they're told to go to 123 Main Street. They don't have any idea why. And the customer just knows that somebody showed up. And if it's a successful install, you know, everybody's happy. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the people throughout that process may have no idea the depth of analytics that, that your team has done in order to make that experience positive. And so that's those little little touch points over the day that add up to a good customer service rating or a bad customer service rating, which I'm sure like most service companies, you're relentlessly focused on. Yeah. And I, I do think it's, you know, I, I'll say often it's humbling sometimes to think of that a, a company as large as Comcast, um, just within our central division footprint that my team supports, you know, we have 22 million residential homes, 6 million uh, potential businesses that we can support and that the decisions on how the company is running within that footprint is coming out of, you know, work done by my team. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's pretty humbling and pretty cool that the data, how actionable it is and um, how much it drives the business. Yeah, I imagine, you know, you've been there uh, for a decade or so and just knowing how much everything's evolved in the last decade in terms of uh, both the data available, the, the number of sensors and so forth you have through your network's probably increased, but also the ability to capture and store and analyze that data has gone up exponentially. So like how much has the, the data that you deal with changed and increased uh, over the years and what kind of additional capabilities has that provided to you? Yeah, I mean, one of the, the main things I talk about on the reasons I love working for Comcast in interviews, people always say kind of, you know, what's the, the favorite thing? What's the most challenging thing? And uh, they're always one in the same. Um, and the favorite thing is, you know, how fast Comcast moves, how innovative they are. You know, I had Comcast service, you know, going back to when I first moved out in college, you know, and I've, I've been with them since, you know, long before I worked here. Um, but, but going back to that time, they were more of a traditional cable company and just seeing the evolution, especially how, uh, accelerated it's been over the last 10 years and products coming out around mobile and flex and X5 complete and, um, our internet essentials programs and so many cool, new, innovative things. Um, as I mentioned with, with, um, internet speeds earlier, you know, I remember in Atlanta when. Uh, Google Fiber came and it was like before they even could start to lay their first bit of fiber, we're like, okay, you're launching a gig, we'll launch two gigs. You know, Comcast is just so willing to move fast and be innovative. Um, and that's what makes it really exciting to work here. What can be challenging is with so many mergers and acquisitions and um, new products, there is a lot of data. Um, but what I think people would be really surprised with coming into Comcast is really how clean some of our data is. And a lot of that has developed over the last, I mean, really probably more in the last five years where we have huge teams at headquarters dedicated to building out clean semantic layers, um, building out documentation and data dictionary, setting up support calls for if analysts have questions. So. Um, it is very large and very complex. We're always learning, having to find new sources, um, integrating new information. But 
Um, there's just, you know, such a, a support system that I, I think people would be really impressed. And then as far as kind of the type of work we've done, I mean, we've really shifted from 10 years ago when I first came in the team, it was really creating that layer of foundational reporting. Um, and now we've kind of got all that. We have the reports where you can see how many connects did we get yesterday? You know, um, how often are we having to, to send a truck to someone's house to fix a repair issue? We have all of that foundational reporting. So now it's into the fun stuff around complex analytics and um, trying to really guide that next strategic decision. So um, what I'm most proud of with our team is really the brand that we've built on. We don't require uh we don't ask for requirements from our stakeholders we really just ask what's changing in the business and we get to be prescriptive to them on is this an analytic how complex it is you know do we need to build productionalized reporting so um i think from the the products comcast offers the data availability the type of work we've done and just kind of the brand our team's built you know, the last 10 years has been just a, a great trajectory. Well, you know, you just made a, a really, really important point. I've written in the past about the need for analytics teams, even when they're internal to an organization like yours. If you're going to be uh, uh, optimally successful, you really have to think of yourself as a consulting, uh, internal consulting firm. And what you just described is really that, right? You're not waiting for someone to come and give you an order for analytics. You're out there with you and your team proactively saying, where might analytics be needed? And then, you know, trying to trying to hit that demand. That's a you know a great philosophy that I'd encourage uh, anybody who uh, watches this to, to think about for their organization. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit, talk a little more about, about you specifically, your background. If you had to pick a, a, a trade or skill that you think most has helped you be successful to, in this world, what, uh, what has it been? So for me, um... Probably organization is my top one. I'm, I'm very organized. I'm great with follow through, um, you know, really just trying to make sure things get over the finish line and delivered. Um, I've also done a lot of volunteering. So when changes are happening in the business, you know, raising my hand to say, you know, how can I grow as a part of this or how can I help as a part of this? Um, but I kind of back to the follow through, you know, I just I think it's so important to bring ideas to the table but even more important to make sure they get delivered. So, you know, the business is gonna to need to make decisions. And if, if you don't scope appropriately um, what you wanna to deliver to help them make their decisions and your timelines are much, much longer, you know, they may move on. So, you know, I think that's a part of it too, is just making sure you're delivering the value, um, getting it over the finish line and in a timely fashion for what, you know, what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's a good point too. I know a lot, a, a lot of examples over the years where you see somebody who's developed what really was a great analysis, but they took so much time to perfect it and get it right that they actually missed the window for it to, to be useful. And in the end, they would have been better served and the organization would have been better served if they delivered their half-baked solution a month earlier when the decision had to be made because it still could have helped the decision be a little bit better. Um, but that, that timeliness, that's so, uh, you know, so critical and it sounds so obvious, but again, I'm yeah. sure you see it by the fact that you're calling it out as one of your strengths. There's so many people who don't focus on that. It's, it's really, uh, it's surprising at times. So that's a great, uh, great point there. 
So, you know, you've obviously hit a lot of challenges as everybody does through your career. What's something that you wish someone had told you, you know, thinking of if you're a student coming out of college, you're about to enter the workforce, you have on those rose colored glasses of how awesome it's going to be, right? What's one thing you wish someone had told you as a reality check uh, before you started working? Um, I think one of the, the, maybe the biggest things is sounds so silly, but, uh, start your 401k immediately. I don't know why. And I think, you know, my parents probably told me to, maybe I was trying to save every penny of my paycheck, but, um, I didn't start it for five years and I really regret that. So, you know, I think again, some of those, those rose colored glasses, especially when you're, you're new, uh, in your career, something seems so far down the road, but, you know, maybe taking that 401k piece is just a theme of, you know, start thinking through some of your long-term planning, whether that's, you know, financial or just in your career and, and really, you know, even though you're so new, you know, focus on kind of what are my goals and what do I need to be doing now to achieve those? Wow, that's a, you know, that's a, that is not a, a, a typical answer, but I love that answer. I, I have been obsessed with uh, personal finance since I first started. And I could tell you that the, the, what I'd encourage anyone to do I remember an article, golly, way back when I was in college that really converted me that talked about how if somebody started at 25 and saved $2,000 a year, that was back when an IRA was $2,000 max, $2,000 a year for just 10 years till they're 35 and never saved another penny under virtually every realistic return scenario, they would have more money forever than someone who started at 35 and put $2,000 in every single year thereafter. And it's because of the fact that getting in early, you know, the money of that person that got in 10 years earlier is already, you know, doubled once, once and a half, twice based on depending on what the return is. And now you're playing uh, catch up with that. So, yeah, that's that's something I wish they did more in college, quite honestly, and that there was more, you know, training and onboarding about that because we're all on our own for retirement today. I know, you know, your parents, my parents, a lot of them had, had traditional pensions and those simply don't exist anymore. So as you think about, you know, here at KSU, obviously, we've got a lot of, of, of uh, bright students coming out with with degrees in analytics, data science and, and many others as well looking to get hired. What are some of the traits and skills you most look for when you hire someone um, in general or specifically at the entry level? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, technical skills, experience with analytics, you know, that's sort of a, you know, a, a checkbox we need to make sure we have on on anyone that we're hiring, but it's really the non-technical skills uh, that we focus most on. And we found the technical is easy to train on. Um, sometimes those non-technical skills are a little bit harder. And if you think back to that consultative approach and, um, you know, things around project management or communication, collaboration, drive, curiosity, you know, looking for those sorts of traits are really what we've found uh, can make someone the most successful. So, you know, I think almost just just coming in with that mindset of being able to run each project like it's your own business, you know, and, and not just bringing the technical skills to the table. And let's say you have a student coming into their first job. Uh, what might be a piece of advice you'd give, you know, to someone early in their career, they really want to, you know, uh, develop themselves and over time get ahead? What are some of the things they can do in those early days to, to help set themselves up for that? Yeah, 
I think, you know, raise your hand, um, you know, think about what excites you, you know, making sure even maybe before you, you start, you're looking for companies that match that profile. So you're enthusiastic about what you're doing every day. Um, you know, research employee satisfaction, you know, use LinkedIn to see how long employees have been with companies, how much growth they've had with the company. Um, I like to really encourage technical students to use uh, recruiters. You know, most of those are paid for by the company. We often help find talent through recruiters over the years. So leverage them to see what's out there. Um, but then once you're in that role, again, I think it's, it's volunteering, it's raising your hand, it's um, being very curious, asking questions. If, if don't be afraid that because you're new, you know, oh, maybe I should know this. I'm not going to ask how this work I'm doing is connecting to the business. Um, you know, it's actually a really good trait when people ask a lot of questions. And, you know, it's something we like to see from people in their first, you know, 90 days, six months, one year, a lot of questions, because that's how we know you're really working to connect, you know, the dots between the business and the work you're doing. And we're making sure we're communicating clear enough um, and helping educate as well. So um, those, those would probably be a few pieces. You know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned about working through recruiters, getting a job. I think uh, a lot of students, everyone knows you got to get a good resume. But, you know, these days I know more than one recruiter. The little phrase says, if you're not on LinkedIn, you don't exist. So you've got to also, not only are you researching people on LinkedIn in preparation for that interview, if you're smart, but they're going to want to research you. And even if, you, if you're just a student without a whole lot to put in there, you better have a, a LinkedIn profile that's complete, that lists some of your, you know, your skills and your interests, because it's uh, honestly almost more important than the resume, because a lot of the people that are going to interview you are going to look up on LinkedIn, and they won't look at the resume till it's time, and they're kind of sitting looking at that as part of the interview process. Yeah. And especially, you know, companies like Comcast, we use, we have internal recruiters, we have external recruiters. So I often lean on them to look through the resume and, and make sure it's a good fit. So to your point, often I'm not putting my eyes on the resume until the time of the interview, but I have looked at the LinkedIn. Um, and I do think, you know, practice, you know, make sure you're practicing for interviews. It's, it's, you want to make sure um, you're presenting yourself in the best light. You're getting across, you know, what you think makes you stand apart. So uh, don't take that for granted. Make sure you practice and kind of think through what are what are the the components I want to make sure I communicate while while I'm in this interview. I'll tell you what. Before we run out of time here, I guess we'll we'll close with a question for you. As you look out a couple of years from now, what? What is a trend that you either see emerging already or one that hasn't yet emerged but that you think will that's going to have a huge impact on the space uh, three to five years down the road? Yeah, um, I mean, we're already dabbling a lot in machine learning and natural language processing. And so I think that will continue to evolve and get more intertwined with our operations instead of just being leveraged more for analytics. Um, but I actually think it, it kind of ties back to some of what we've talked through earlier of my advice is maybe to not get too tied to, you know, one technology or, or one approach and, um, you know, making sure it's, it's, it almost doesn't matter, you know, how technical you are, if you don't know what you're trying to answer or what you're trying to do with the data. Um, 
So I think, you know, just keeping that focus and that grounding on making sure I understand the business, making sure I'm thinking through, you know, what am I trying to solve here? And then once you've landed that, then I think that's where you can really use collaboration and, and innovation and um, kind of design thinking to say, okay, now what's my best technology? And, you know, there's, there's so many great options, but almost, you know, really making sure you're grounding on what am I trying to solve first and how is it going to drive impact and then think through what's the best and, and coolest way for me to get there? Well, thanks so much. I'll, I'll just say for anyone who's listening, who happens to go uh, to an Atlanta Braves game or any other event at Truist Park, uh, Christine, your office, if I, if I recall, literally the building is directly next to the field and you can see when, yeah. when you're going to walk into the stadium, you'll see the big Comcast sign and that's where, where you sit in normal times. Yep. The sign should be lit up at night. If you're at a, a night game from in the stadium, you can see it from uh, the top floor in the building at Comcast. You can see uh, the whole diamond. Uh, it's a, you know, very exciting uh, place to work, especially on game day. So looking forward to when we return to office and get to, to feel that enthusiasm. Yeah. I'll have to see that view from that top floor once. Uh, it's awesome. Anyway, well, thank you so much for coming today. I, I think you had some great insights and I, I appreciate you joining the show. Thank you.